Hey, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm excited that you've taken a little bit of time with us. My name is Trent Young. I'm here with my good friend, Alan Small. And we do this podcast every week to be able to give you some tips, to be able to help you personally endure, and to help your church to endure as well. And so today, Alan, I know that one of the things that have been the bane of my existence for lots of years are meetings. Lots and lots of meetings, but you have to do those, right? You've got to have those. And so today we're going to talk about having meetings before meetings, and hopefully that'll make more sense later. Yeah, you know, last week we talked about preparing for storms, you know, whether it be a winter storm or tornadic storm, whatever kinds of storms. Today we're kind of talking about different types of storms. Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. you need to have a meeting so that you don't have a stormy meeting later. And I think that's kind of what we want to talk about today. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, we want to lead you through a process and, and give you some some people that you should meet with, some questions that you should ask in order to um, deal with some issues before a major decision that your church is going to face or a major presentation uh, it'll save you a whole lot of stress before you get to those points. And hopefully you get a lot of those questions answered beforehand, too. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, Trent, when they're thinking about having a meeting, they do some of these things without thinking about them. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're going to talk through a process that really should help you maybe think more intentionally about who you're talking about. You know, I, I have different people. I know that if we're going to be talk, meeting about a certain issue, people who are maybe more invested than the rest of the group in that topic. And that's kind of the first thing that you begin with. But who are the people who are most passionate about the topic you're going to be talking about in that meeting? That that really is something that you kind of should have that meeting before the meeting. Yeah, you want to get to hear from those people why they're so invested in this, um, whether it's uh, no matter what the topic is, if it's a building or or some kind of uh, change at your church, change causes stress. And so talking to those people that are most invested, that, that it's most important to, and asking them to share with you why this is so important, that will help you to understand where they're coming from. And again, because they felt heard in that, they're going to be less defensive in that whole situation. And so, um, you know, finding out from them, why, why are they so, you know, this is such a big deal to them. And then, you know, ask them too, what are some of the things that are non-negotiable as we bring this before the church? What things are you going to really stand on that you want to have happen? Hey, you may think, you know, and then you find out you don't really know. So Mm -hmm. sometimes, Sometimes if you can just kind of ask that question, what's the most important part of this? What is what is it that we must communicate? You know, I mean, you're you're always going to have people. Well, you know, we, we can't change our music. You know, OK, well, you know, <laughs> at least, you know. You yeah. Know, so, so so now, you know, uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, for someone else, it, it it may be a different issue. But what is it that people are truly, truly passionate about? and that they are not going to give you any room to maneuver around that. I mean, that Mm -hmm. is good to know. Yeah, and don't be afraid to ask the why question. 
Uh, I know that's like our inner two-year-old. Why? Why? You know, but if we're able to ask those people ahead of time, and we're going to give you some other folks to talk to as well, but if you're able to ask the why question ahead of time, that's less reason to be defensive. And, and people will take their guard down and they'll explain to you why, you know, if you're honestly interested in knowing what's going on and why they think this is an important issue. Yeah, that is a big one. And so that's a really important one uh, among that for us. So who's the most invested in the topic you're going to be talking about? Here's, a, here's another question, Trent. Who among the members is most highly regarded and trusted? We've all had to learn that when you walk into a church, you're not the leader. <laughs> yeah. there, there is someone else who carries more weight, more influence than you do. And oftentimes, even in a meeting, it can fluctuate from meeting to meeting in some some circumstances. So who's the most highly regarded and who's the most trusted? Yeah, you know, there are people that because of age or just that they have been um, somebody who's helped them through major things in the past, they are the power brokers. Um, it's kind of like that old E.F. Hutton commercial when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody turns their head. And so there, we've had a couple of people in different churches that I've pastored, um, gentlemen that weren't very outspoken, but when they did speak, everybody listened because they knew that they were, these people had really thought about it and they were wise. And so they didn't, you know, make a big stink, but they always had something important to add to the conversation. And so those are the people that are so good to, to talk to, Alan. Yes. And one of the things that I think is really important to know, where are they the most highly regarded? For instance, in my first church, I had a, I had a deacon who, whenever there was an administrative decision or organizational decision, he carried the most weight. I mean, if there was something that needed to be done. And in that first church, too, I didn't have a whole lot of other support around me. And so all my programming decisions also went through my deacon body. There was another deacon who carried more weight and influence in matters of programming uh, because mm -hmm. he was more respected with his knowledge of how those things work because of his background. Um, and, and then if it was relational, I had a third one that carried the most weight in relationships because he knew everybody and everybody knew and loved him. Mm -hmm. And so it really depended on what it was as to who carried the most influence um, it, it, among that group group of men. Well, and so, Alan, that's a great commercial, great reminder for you to get to know your deacons well. Um, man, I've seen young pastors come into a church, and they they kind of held the deacons at an arm's length. And, man, talk about a mistake. He didn't get to take advantage of those those influences that those men had to help him but if he would have gotten to know them and like you said to get to know whose influence is happens at which point then you know then you can have that on your side yeah i've made the mistake before of going into a situation being told that well someone will always be a thought in your side and basically going in and with a more antagonistic viewpoint of i'm always going to have to draw my sword whenever I'm with this person. And I really made a huge mistake. I needed to find that out on my own and find out what the degree of that was. 
was it personality conflict between them and someone else and so it made a huge mistake and i wish i hadn't made that mistake but mm. we're going to make them uh, but yeah. this this is why that's important yeah. learn who has influence why they have influence and really learn to rally around as much as you can the influence they have sometimes you can't work with them but yeah. i think a lot of times we make that assumption way too soon in the process well and alan that made me think about you know this is not totally related but it's kind of i've had pastors call me you know and somebody came to my church and they'll say well beware of this person because they were at my church for a little while and they were always just a major pain or whatever and and causing you to have a, a negative view of this family or this person and i i experienced that that happened to me i had a pastor say oh beware of these people but i got to know them and just listen to them and they became some of the best people to work with and the best people in our church um, and so don't always, you know, try to keep an open mind when you're meeting people and, and getting to know them and, and the strengths they have. But when it, when you think about these, the, the people that are highly regarded, I think there are some things that you can do before a meeting that you can find out from them what questions that they would have about the proposed topic. Because if you can answer those questions and get them to feel like they have a really good sense of understanding, then they're going to be on your side. They're going to feel like they know what's going on, like nothing's been sprung on them, and they can be on your team. Yeah, and it may just be a casual conversation of, hey, we've got this meeting coming up. We know we've been talking about our small group ministry. And I have, I, I was thinking through, what if we did something like this? What are your initial thoughts when you hear that? You're not saying you've made the decision. You're just saying, I had this thought. I'm trying to get your input. Mm -hmm. And 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 they're probably going to say, oh, I had thought about that. Let me think about it. It opens the door for a, a great conversation. And you're going to find out very quickly where they're at. Now, a lot of times, the first, I will tell you, the first time you bring up a new idea, the most likely response is all the roadblocks to it. Because they're yeah. processing what you have said. You can't assume that every time you have an idea, people are going to just go, well, that's a, the best idea I've ever heard. You know, it takes time <laughs> for people to process those things. And so use those to think about the questions that other people would be asking. And in your conversations, well, how did you overcome them? Or did you overcome them? And if you can't overcome them with that person of influence, you're not going to overcome them with the church. I can promise you. I can promise you that. So how are you going um, to deal with that? But once they've had a ch chance to process, you say, well, what are the biggest roadblocks? And it may lead you to another solution that's an even better solution. It may lead you down another journey or it may improve the idea you have but that's why your idea is never the best idea is because your idea needs to be filtered through other people and this is part of that filtering process is getting the questions or having meetings before the meeting oh man yeah i'm glad you said that alan because i've had that happen to me lots of times you know where i had some vision some thought or or something that our church was going to possibly do but the more that i talk to people in our church that were leaders, 
the more that got refined and, and came up, we came up with lots of better solution than what I had originally proposed. And, and so I, that was so important. But then, you know, if you, with that power broker, if you get to have a conversation and share with them and answer all their questions, you know, you can ask them, hey, would you be in favor of this or, or not? And you'll find out. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. And if not, why not? And and you may, that may postpone what you bring before the church. So true. So true. That's one of the things that we just have to be prepared for. I, I never like surprises in meetings. Sometimes they happen, but I would try to avoid as many surprises as I could. And that's why I would work hard to have the meeting before the meeting. You know, sometimes I run into people who say, well, you know, I'm on the school board and we just can't operate that way. We're, we're not talking about the school board. We're not yeah. elect, we're not elected officials to a government entity. We're a church and we are supposed to have relationships and we're supposed to have leadership structures and we're supposed to have these kinds of conversations. You know, as parents, as parents, there are conversations behind the scenes that the kids never know about. Mm hmm. The church is a lot more like that, that, that there needs to be some conversations that go on behind the scenes because we have a huge responsibility um, in, in our laps. And so, you know, you're asking, you know, who's most invested? You're asking other questions, you know, who's the most highly regarded and trusted? I guess you need to ask yourself the other one, like you say it this way, who's most likely to stir the pot? So talk to us about pot stirrers. <laughs> Well, and every church has them, right? You know, those people that they speak more than they should um, sometimes, or they they like to have their opinion heard, and they're always going to be the negative Nancy, you know. Uh, those are the type of people that you, you're going to have to think about whenever you're bringing up a major deal. You know, I've, I dealt with lots of building programs and lots of um, different purchasing of properties and things. And there was always that one person that they, they talked more than everybody else. And, and usually they're negative. They're the ones that are going to bring up the negative stuff. And, and so I think it's important to meet with that person, you know, in each of these, you're talking Alan that, um, you know, maybe this doesn't work in a government setting or an elected official setting. But for me, I, I think it can happen in any setting. And that I had lots of lunches with people just to sit down and visit with them before something happened. And, and so in this case too, that person who is a pot stirrer, and I'd, I'd say, hey, let's go have lunch and let's talk. Here's something that's coming up. Tell me what you think. I think it's invaluable. Yeah, yeah I used to try to do that with someone who would really stir the pot in, in um, my church. We had several meetings like this where we got together. There finally came to a point in time where it, it all came to a head. And um, but because I'd had these conversations, not only with with him, but with others, he thought he could kind of bully me around. But because we had had these conversations, um, I actually was able to sit back and watch other people come to my defense and, and basically tell them, we think your time here is kind of run its course. And he lost all his influence that day, you know. And but that happened because these other things had happened. I had gone out of my way and people know I had gone out of my way um, to try to have conversations um, with, with this person. And it just it just did not ever work out. And it's tragic, but it's real. And yeah, we have to be ready for those. 
Well, and so that having those conversations can sometimes help with the person that you're having the conversation with, but sometimes it can also uh, be a benefit to those other, your other leaders that are, you're saying, Hey, I want to visit with this person so we can kind of get all the stuff out ahead of time. Um, things like what type of info would you need to make a decision on this? Or um, what questions could they see coming up during the meeting? You know, asking those questions of that person who's a potster can give you lots of insight, you know, and sometimes, sometimes because that person feels like they've been heard, then all the conflict goes away, the insecurity goes away, because that's typically what it is. That person who's a potster, they're typically very insecure and they're trying to cover it up with bravado and, and trying to be a person of influence. Yeah, and sometimes, Trent, one thing we don't have in our notes, but I would encourage you to consider too, if you've got a, a large church-wide decision coming up that really takes your church in a new direction or something like that, it is okay to have meetings before the big meeting too, to have um, some segments of meeting where it's not just with one person. Uh, when we were getting ready to build our first building, we did have some some meetings where we met in different people's homes and different parts of our community where we had members and invited them to come in and just ask questions and talk to us so we could get more input so that when we were able to put a meeting together, we had already answered a lot of the questions that the church had. And we wanted to have more information. And so those were not only, this is what we're thinking, but we want to hear what you're thinking so that we can bring this to you in a more polished format. Those things can be really helpful. You know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to to um, take a little more time in the decision making process to get to a better decision. And I think that's one of the things mistakes we make oftentimes in churches is we try to rush through our decision process. And especially as a young pastor, and I did this many times, I rushed through some decisions I wish I'd never rushed through. I, I pushed some decisions I wish I'd never pushed. Um, because if I had waited just a little longer, that decision would have been reached on its own. Mm -hmm. And, or I, maybe I made the wrong decision even. So one of the things that I would really encourage is slow your decision-making process down to the point where you can make sure you're doing this. Well, yeah, and especially on something large, like, a you know, major change in your church, uh, adding a new staff person, maybe a new position or a building program. Yeah, I think you're right. You you want, the more that you can involve as many people ahead of time, then you when you come to an actual time of voting, then that becomes really a formality because you've already heard from all those people and you've been able to answer all those questions in a less stressful environment. And so I think it can be awesome. And so here's here's a last couple of things, Alan, I think are important. You know, if you have these meetings, just like we we're just saying, uh, I think you will avoid most of the conflict. Um, you'll be able to do those, you know, times of hearing and answering questions outside of a entire church meeting, because in, in a whole church meeting, thing, emotions get stoked up, people get defensive. It gets weird in a hurry. Um, and then as a leader, you'll be able to guide the conversation by sharing the most important info 
or leading others to share that info. Because if you've had these meetings, you figured out what the real key things are and you can share those better or you can have somebody else share them. You can, you know, kind of guide them to share the important keys. Yeah, that's huge. And and with other people can back you up and support you and speak for you. That really does take a lot of air out of the detractors. Mm-hmm. You know, when that when they see when they see support for something. Um, because l- l- let's be honest, someone who's always working against you, they're seeing who they can rally against you. And when they come into a situation and already see overwhelming support, it can become much harder for them in that moment and very frustrating. And oftentimes those are those moments that God will use to eliminate that person's influence in your church. So that happens because of wise leadership and wise leadership has these kind of precursor um, meetings to, to bigger meetings in that way. And so you're answering all the questions, you know, you, when those questions are going to come up, you're answering all the questions that that people are going to have. And when you've answered the questions, it makes that change a whole lot easier for your people to swallow. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, that's what our goal is to help you to be that wise leader. It was always my goal in our church to be able to give them more info than they ever thought they needed um, because I wanted to be able to answer those questions. And, you know, every church is going to have meetings. Every church is going to have issues that they have to deal with. And the more that you can meet with people beforehand, I think the less conflict you're going to have to deal with. And so, again, we had have, we have three people today that we, we mentioned, you know, you've got your person who's really invested in that proposal or that issue, you know, meet with them. You've got your per- your people who are power brokers, people who are most respected. And then you also have those people that potentially could stir the pot or, or throw up a red flag. Uh, if you meet with those folks, I think you'll be able to be able to get away from most of the conflict that would happen in your church. So having the meeting before a meeting, that's one of the ways that enduring churches last. It's one of the ways that enduring leaders last. And so we hope that these uh, things have given you some great insight today so that you and your church can endure. That's why we do this. That's why we are so grateful for you. And thank you for taking time to listen. And we look forward to catching you on the next episode of the Enduring Churches podcast. Mm-hmm.